Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network, live from Atlanta at the SEC Media Days. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall, 440 Sports on the YouTube page as well. A lot of stuff for you guys today. Day number three, the Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champs, the Arkansas Razorbacks, the Florida Gators, the Kentucky Wildcats, a lot to discuss. And you're going to hear from a lot of different people today on the show, so we've got a lot of stuff to cover for you. Uh, Ania Smith, real quickly, Texas A&M wide receiver. Ania Smith was arrested, uh, DWI, weapons, marijuana, some other things. Uh, he was supposed to be here, and Jimbo Fisher is on Thursday, so we will have more coverage for you on, as that uh, you know sort of current event unfolds. Folds. We'll talk a lot more about that on Thursday's episode, so make sure you check that out. Today on the show, you'll hear from a bunch of players, Stetson Bennett, Cedric Van Pran from Georgia, and then we're going to talk with Seth Emerson of The Athletic about Kirby Smart, the change that has happened to him since winning a national title, rebuilding the defense, upset potential, and of course, Stetson Bennett. You'll hear from Stetson talking about being disrespected. Still started, still uh, shockingly a part of the conversation. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, Bumper Pool, I had a chance to ask both of them about why Sam Pittman's leadership style communication is working. So you hear from both of them. The Florida Gators went today. Billy Napier's first trip through the SEC media event. We'll talk with David Waters of Gators Breakdown about Anthony Richardson's growth, Billy Napier's recruiting. Did he get Florida to buy in, the defensive upside, and where could Florida finish in the East? And, of course, the Kentucky Wildcats. I, I have some movement in my ballot. I started this week with Kentucky in one place. I will finish with Kentucky in a different. Mark Stoops, the, one of the longest-tenured coaches now in the SEC. And, of course, we'll wrap up with our predictions now, before we do any of that, let us remind you of our great sponsor this week, J.E. Dunn Construction, jedunn.com. Here's the bottom line. If you want to get a good job and you want to work for a company that cares deeply about you in a market where the labor force has the power to decide what to do, well, that means companies have to fight for your work. They have to fight for your business and they have to fight to keep you happy because when you are happy, you are productive and efficient. Go figure. Again, much like Mark Stoops and I think Billy Napier and certainly Kirby Smart and uh, obviously Sam Pittman as well. So go check it out if you want to change careers. Doesn't matter what your background is. JEDunn.com is the website. They are a top 100 healthiest place to work in the United States. Bunch of offices across the Southeast. So you fans that are looking for a change of career, go check them out over at JEDunn.com. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champs, were first on Wednesday, and Kirby Smart came to the podium ready to go. He basically said, y'all want to ask me about complacency? I've been asked about it 50 times. Y'all go ahead. Feel free to ask every single question because I ain't scared. And he actually talked about how much they've studied in the offseason how the mighty have fallen is the phrase that he used. You'll hear from offensive lineman Cedric Van Pran, who explained a little bit about what that actually sounded and felt and, and looked like. We'll talk with Seth Emerson as well. Uh, but I want you to hear, hear from Stetson Bennett first, because first of all, just being around him, I, I think it can come off as cocky and arrogant. I think it should come off as successful and proving doubters wrong. And I am, you know, his story is such a good story to become a national champion as this this walk-on with no recruiting and, and all this stuff. And again, we'll talk with Seth Emerson. You'll hear more about this. But just being around him, like, he just has this vibe and this air about him where he just knows the questions are coming. He is tired of the questions. He has answered all the questions, and yet they still come. And he just sort of has to keep going. And uh, I had a chance to, to stand next to him in one of the biggest media throngs in the entire event so far through three days. Bryce Young was Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett, the two biggest groups of people in the main room trying to get access to players. And uh, Stetson Bennett, here he was talking about being disrespected. And he also got asked 
about being coached really hard by Kirby Smart. So Stetson, are you are people done doubting you? Uh, probably not. Um, but I can't I can't worry about that. You know, there's too many other things um, as a team we have to worry about, and uh, you know, just in general, I can't can't do anything about it. Yeah. I want to hear him compliment. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, well, it was super nice. Um, I appreciate it. Um, you know, my worry is just about being good, you know. Um, we'll let everything else sort itself out. Stetson, how resilient do you have to be to, to play quarterback for Kirby Smart? Is it tough to play for Kirby? No. You know, different, different, different guys have different... Um, ways that they want to be coached I grew up uh, with that with uh, you know my dad was you know hard nosed you learned it from his dad uh, Papa was a you know he's a coach he coached with Frank Broyles at uh, Arkansas coached at Tennessee Vatek uh, so you know I high school coach was the same way you know uh, hey you listen to the message not the tone um, and sometimes you need the tone sometimes sometimes you suck and you know you got to get better and you know put some urgency into it what brought you back and what do you feel what do you hope it says to the rest of the team that hey this, i'm not satisfied this is yeah i mean it might it might say that uh you know i i think my day-to-day -day, you know life i guess with them workouts throwing the ball hopefully you know that shows how serious i am you know more more so than just a hypothetical this is why i came back uh, but, you know, there, there's a lot of things that went into it, uh, you know, the main one being that I love football and I love the University of Georgia. And I think it's, you know, the biggest honor in the world to represent the great state and all the fans across the world uh, with my teammates beside me. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I love playing football. So that was Stetson Bennett at Media Days, a cheeky kid, man. Uh, just a, he can tell that he sort of relishes or at least is tired of and now relishes the chance to sort of prove people wrong. The disrespect thing was always there, but now he's got a ring to prove it. And and uh, I thought the you know he is very straightforward about sort of the style of play and the style of coaching that he appreciates. So I thought it was interesting. More picking up the mannerisms of Stetson Bennett than anything else. Uh, Cedric Van Pran, offensive lineman, a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore, one of three technical underclassmen, even though he's been there for three years uh, for Georgia. He was there. I had a chance to talk to him. About a couple of different things. He Number one, he explains what complacency and studying how mighty things have fallen. I'm assuming that's like Roman empires and stuff. But he explains a little bit about what they've studied and how it's studied. But I also had a chance to talk to him and really understand what it is like for a student athlete to get to represent their school. And also, through name, image, and likeness and, and 2022 being a very different media landscape for players, what it is like to think through having a brand, having a voice, and having a platform, and here's what he had to say. Um, no, I will say this. I am extremely, extremely grateful for this opportunity. I, I thank Coach Smart. I thank the University of Georgia. I thank the fans um, for just allowing me this opportunity to represent the uh, University of Georgia, and I hope I'm doing everyone justice and making everyone proud. Um, I didn't necessarily talk to a lot of the other players, but um, like JD, JD texted me, you know, just telling me how proud of me he was and my growth, and you know, just saying that this is it's my opportunity to show the type of leader that I am. So um, I definitely appreciate those guys for having my back. Do you guys feel like you have more of a chance to have a voice just as a collection of athletes? 
in twenty in twenty twenty two versus yeah uh, definitely for sure I think we have a, a bigger platform but I think ultimately it's whether you want to be seen because uh, I think ultimately ultimately my goal isn't to you know be this big shining light you know if that's where it goes then that's where it goes but um, you know I'm usually the guy that's in the back you know running out of the tunnel so. I don't want to be the guy that's usually, you know, all the shining lights, but ultimately, you know, that's where God wants me to be, and that's where I'll go. I think that we all understand as a, as a collective unit that um, in order to achieve what we want to achieve, we have to make sure that we focus on the small details and that we uphold the standard of the University of Georgia. So I definitely think that um, that eliminates some of the complacency. Um, I think we've watched a lot of stuff. Um, and I think the overall message of all of them has just been make sure that you stay humble, make sure that you stay focused, make sure that you stay um, who you've always been. Because I think that when you allow yourself to deviate from what you've always done, um, that's when the mighty can fall. That was Cedric Van Pran, of course, offensive lineman, one of the best players in the country and an incredibly thoughtful, well-spoken kid. And uh, again, as always, I start every single one of these shows with the players are the best part. The players are the best story. They are the most interesting thing. It, it just is. It's just a fact. It's straight up. That's how it's going to work. You're going to hear from KJ Jefferson and Bumper Pool a little bit later on. However, let's talk Georgia. Let's get into the team. Let's talk about Kirby and how he's changed. Let's talk about how the defense is being rebuilt. Let's talk about where they might lose a game, how much you should gamble on Georgia getting going 12-0, and and of course, how we should talk about Stetson Bennett. We did all of that with Seth Emerson of The Athletic. SEC Media Days, day number three, of course, which is Georgia Day, the national champs. We are in Atlanta, not Birmingham, which means there's a lot more people here. Uh, Seth Emerson from The Athletic, of course, joining us here. All of your content from SEC Media Days here brought to you by J.E. Dunn, our title sponsor. One of the best places to work in all of America. Top 100 healthiest workplaces. It's amazing, Seth, what happens when people are happy and healthy. They're productive. It's amazing. So go check them out, jedunn.com. All right. I know that. Where I work. <laughs> That's true. The Athletic, a very... Very great place I to work. Say that. <laughs> I, yeah. So, all right, Kirby goes. Um, he's been talking about some of his highest paid players in NIL. He's been talking about, he has to answer questions about Stetson Bennett. Just is there a difference in how he's acting, how he's carrying himself now that he's got the ring? I, I think he's always been a little loose since maybe his second year, his first year, you know, working out from the Nick Saban kind of shadow where they don't let you talk and you don't get the experience giving interviews and but since then I think he's always been pretty loose that that's that's the guy that I've always seen on a day-to-day -day basis I mean some days he's mad about something or mad about something we've written but um, he's you know look he, he's the son of a high school coach on one side but his his mom was an English teacher He's a guy who's always been well-rounded. He's, he's a guy who, if he wasn't a football coach, would be a businessman and probably a very successful one. And, and I think you're, you're seeing a guy that, um, you know, he, he, he was asked earlier about, you know, are you different or, you know, what was the temptation now that you've won the championship to, you know, basically move on, right. you know? And he's like, well, I don't, I'm not wired that way. I, uh, I'm wired to, after I win a national championship, find out who's the next three guys we're going to sign. And that's very Nick Saban-like. But Saban, I think, is somebody who doesn't get enough credit for kind of being a real human being in person. Kirby is too. 
Well, and I think it's that day-to-day grind that Saban is so great at, and it seems like Kirby has taken plenty of that into this and talked a lot about complacency in his speech and said, hey, guys, ask me about it because our guys haven't accomplished anything. And it's that it's that sort of constant rat. I know rat poison is such a cliche, but like it is how he gets them to drive through every single day, right? Yeah, and he made a good point, Kirby did, about um, – I, I don't remember whether it was in the big room or if it was um, uh, upstairs, but he – he said that I, if so many of the guys that won the national championship were still playing, he would be more worried about complacency. But he's like, so many of the guys who won it are in the NFL now, or NFL camps. And he's right. Um, and he's also got a quarterback who still has a lot to prove to people, obviously. Uh, so that, that may help this, this year's team. It may help stave off complacency. I also tend to think that a very manageable schedule will go a long way towards helping them as well. Being a double-digit or two-touchdown favorite in every game does help. Maybe the Mississippi State game later, but let's get to the the guys that are gone because I'm I'm hearing a lot of conversation this week, and I don't necessarily subscribe to this. I want to know what you think, that there's no way they can maintain. There's no way that they can stay where they were defensively. And while statistically that might be true, 40 years of greatness in terms of the the stats, I still don't know why people are – are asking questions about where the defense is going to go. Are, where do you think this unit is? We just, you know, you just alluded to all the people that are in the NFL. Uh, is it still the best defense in the SEC? Is it number two behind Bama? What margins are we talking about here with Georgia's defense? Could be number two behind Bama. Are, are we ever going to see a defense like Georgia's last year ever again? Maybe not. Probably never again at Georgia. But that that just means that if they return to a normal Georgia defense this year, they're still pretty damn good. Uh, they, something he talked about is they've, they've got a lot of talent. They just need experience. But they, they have some experience on that defense. Uh, Nolan Smith, who's here today, is a senior. He had one of the sacks on the final drive against Bryce Young. Um, he was a five-star recruit four years ago, who a lot of people thought was going to turn pro after last year, but didn't have quite the year to do it. Keely Ringo, guy who had the big – the pick six to ice the national championship. He's back. Um, Jalen Carter, junior. Number, number one pick in the draft, probably, right? He, he may be the number one pick. He's, he's, everyone has always said he, he was the best defensive lineman on last year's team. Um, they've, they've got guys. They just – I'll go back to the schedule. It sets up for Georgia because they can ride an offense that I think should be pretty explosive this year and a manageable schedule to a 12-0 record easily. I don't know that they will. I think there may be one game somewhere where they someone gets them. I don't know if it's like South Carolina or Mississippi State, even Oregon, um, you know, Florida, Kentucky, something like that. But they're like you said, they're on paper a double-digit favorite all their games right now, and that can buy them some time to by the time they get to Atlanta, if they do, to, for the Alabama matchup, their defense is going to be pretty good. Not not as great as it was last year, but it doesn't have to be. I think that's what people – the beauty of college football is you have to make assumptions about where a team is going to be. And, like, in the first two months of the season for Georgia, Oregon's basically the only one that I even say, like, will give them a little trouble because they've got a really good offensive line. And – excuse me, and I'm getting clumped just talking about Georgia. Uh, they've got a really good offensive line, and it's, and it's game one after all that replacement. But then the schedule's nothing until Florida. I think the Mississippi State game presents some challenges because you're coming off two emotional games with Florida and with Tennessee some, and a very different offense with Mississippi State on the road. They played well against them two years ago. Like, and even then, I'm not going to pick it. But 
At Kentucky, the next week is is tricky too on the road at night. But Kentucky plays the same game as Georgia, so like if you're, I mean, if I gave you eleven and a half and you're going to Vegas, which I know you enjoy, eleven and a half, are you are you going over? Because I would go over eleven and a half for Bama. I might go over eleven and a half for Georgia as well. I think I'd have to. I I don't, I don't know that I'd put my kids' college educations on it, uh, but that's good. Yeah, but. I, I, the way I look at it is there are enough teams on Georgia's schedule that should be solid that there's a good chance that somebody in that group we, that we don't realize right now is going to have a really good year. It could be South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State. I don't think it'll be Auburn. Um, I don't think it'll be Florida yet, but uh, a Tennessee, like they could, yeah. you know, they could put it together if they find a defense. Um, somebody might be, might, somebody might come out of that pack. It could be two teams to give Georgia a lot of trouble. Oregon, it's it's hard to say. I mean, they they may be helped by Dan Lanning, just knowing Georgia's personnel so well. Um, but they're coming across the country, and and it's a new team, uh, new coach. So, I, but yeah, I, I I would probably still put the money on the over the 11 and a half now I this isn't to say that like I'm bullish on Georgia repeating as national champions I think if they were playing Alabama week one I'm picking Alabama and I'm picking Alabama pretty easily but we don't know how those teams are going to look come December I I think they're going to play twice again that's my that's my my prediction basically since January of last year so uh, all right well Jay again Jay Dunn our title sponsor here for all the content from SEC Media Days live from Atlanta Seth Emerson from The Athletic pay for good journalism if you want to work for good people uh, you know go try to work for The Athletic but really Jay Dunn has got five billion in annual revenue hiring people all across the southeast healthiest workplace in America 2022 best place to work and everything all right last one and this is, I, I don't even, I'm trying to figure out the right way to even ask the question because the Stetson Bennett narrative is just like, he, Kirby was asked about it a couple of different ways. I think they were smarter this time than maybe in the past, but this is a kid who's, you know, the offense did evolve some last year. They did throw the ball more. He did make the plays in the championship game. He did win the ring. And there's still a 15 or 20% of the Georgia fan base that's not really sure about him. What, what is the right thing? How should we be talking about Stetson Bennett? I think we should be talking about a good college quarterback, a very good college quarterback. Is he going to play in the NFL? Probably not. Um, but I think we're talking about somebody who, if he were a couple inches taller, would have been recruited more out of high school, would have gotten a – probably would have been a three-star quarterback that would have signed at a place like, you know, a, a, a lower or middle-tier SEC, ACC school. And then he developed – and he, by the way, got better between 2020 and 2021. That was a point that Kirby Smart made last year that I thought he was saying it for kind of political reasons to kind of set people up for, hey, we're going to stick with Stetson Bennett. But, in fact, I think he was just being honest, which is the first time we saw Stetson Bennett as an SEC quarterback getting real SEC action was in 2020. It was pretty good most of the time. Then he hit the wall. But – why couldn't he have improved? And he did in 2021. And I, I just think that we look at Stetson Bennett through the lens of how he was recruited, and we were conditioned to think that you had to be a first-round pick NFL quarterback to win a national championship. And it, he, he was not. He, he proved that trend wrong. Did he carry the team last year? No, but uh, he was offensive MVP of both playoff games. Uh, I'll, I'll say this one more time, and I've said this 
before. Stetson Bennett, fourth quarter of the national championship game, led two 75-yard drives. Okay. Against Nick Saban and Alabama. Yes. Yes. This was not. That happened. Yes, that happened. Is he going to play in the NFL? Probably not. Is he a very good college quarterback? Yes. Are you going to write about him this year? I'm writing about him right when I get off, when when I get out of when I when I leave this interview. Well, if you want to read smart Stetson Bennett content, content, of course, the Athletic pay for good journalist Seth Emerson is your guy. Braden Gall hanging out here SEC Media Days. Check out the YouTube page, of course, as well. Great review, subscribe, all that great stuff. That was Seth Emerson of The Athletic. Very confident, as am I, 12-0. I don't think Georgia loses a game. He doesn't think Georgia loses a game. And if they're that good by the time they get to Atlanta, the defense will be just fine when they get there. One final note on Georgia. And I tweeted this out and got a bunch of people who are not fans of Georgia to respond to this, and I'm not sure they understand. Now, Kirby Smart said something about name, image, and likeness where he basically said Jordan Davis was the highest-paid defensive lineman through NIL last year. Uh, Brock Bowers was the highest-paid tight end through NIL last year, but I think that inducements for players to come to schools is not good for the health of the game. I'm, I'm close to quoting there, but it's basically a paraphrase, but that's what he said. And everybody responded to my tweet with, except for that's what he's doing by saying all of that. And I understand that that's sort of how it works out. But there's a very big difference between a sales pitch about what you can gain and accomplish by coming to a school and physically paying you to come to the school. I, I don't know why that's difficult to understand and why they are different. That They are definitely different. If you are a senior who has started for three years on the national championship defense that's been the best in 40 years in college football, you are worth more money than the recruit. And it is okay to say when you come to Georgia, there's a chance you could become the highest paid tight end or defensive tackle. That is a recruiting pitch. That's not the same as writing a check. So I'm not sure why people misunderstood that whole entire process, and I got the responses I got on Twitter, but maybe that's another reason why we just shouldn't read tweets all the time. Anyway, I thought that was interesting by Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs, who will be the overwhelming favorite to make the playoff, win the SEC East, and probably lose to Alabama in Atlanta. Let's get to the Arkansas Razorbacks. First of all, Sam Pittman, just a total stud, just an absolute stud. He was asked about... Uh, basically, why did he make bowl rings for the Arkansas Razorbacks after winning the Outback Bowl? And he said, because I wanted to. <laughs> and, and he gave it to them because they'd never experienced it. Same thing with the rivalry trophies. A bunch of these kids had never accomplished the things that they accomplished last year, so he wanted them to celebrate it. Go figure, caring about your, your kids and your team and your culture. Again, I, I think this is a theme in college football right now, and frankly, a theme with the coaches on day number three, Kirby Smart, uh, Billy Napier, I think, is going to do this at Florida. I definitely believe that Mark Stoops and Sam Pittman and Kirby Smart do this, and that is they're just ball coaches who care about their team. Yes, they're obsessive, and some of them are ATD and all this other stuff, but but they care about their teams. And I think when you listen to some of the players, again, K.J. Jefferson, Bumper Pool, well, two of the guys that were there for Arkansas on, on Wednesday – and I, I had a chance to ask both of them, and you'll hear from both of them here combined. Wh why is it that Sam Pittman's communication style is working? Why is it landing? Why is the culture being developed? And they both had interesting answers. I'll, I'll let them do the, the talking here. K.J. Jefferson was also asked about why he is so much more confident heading into this season than he was at this time last year heading into 2021. 
Oh, it's very different. I mean, just having the confidence that I did have last year, going into it, just very nervous, stressed out, just what would I, am I going to make mistakes? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do it right? So just being able to come in now and just know, like, I have the confidence. I have what it takes to be in this league. I have what it takes to take my team into a 10-game winning, uh, winning season this year and just having the success there and just showing that our program is still on the rise. What, why is Sam Pittman communication style working? Why is it working with you guys? Uh, just having a coach that bags you up and just really just all for you and just not treat you like a robot and really just want to get to know you and build a relationship with you and build a bond with you. I mean, you'll do whatever it takes just to go all out for him. So that means he just came in with that style and just installed that working man mentality and that blue collar and just having a chip on our shoulder each and every day. So just having that coming in, just shoulders, just we, can, we, can, we stay in play. You seem to like the, the doubt about your play. You, you kind of feed off that, don't you? I do. I, do. I mean, I look, I look at the statistics. I look at the rankings. I mean, it just, it's just adding fuel to the fire. That's all. So I look at it as motivation. I look at it, keep it pushing, just get back to work and just keep working with my team. You know, it's, it's he knows how to uh, connect with everybody. You know, he can go to a room, read a room better than any person I've ever seen. You know, when we go to a team meeting room, you know, we're excited to hear him talk, you know, just because he's a cool dude. But also, you know, we know that he'll flip the switch and business is business. That was K.J. Jefferson talking about how much more confident he is in himself, as, as well as why Sam Pittman's communication is working. Uh, Bumper Pool there at the end as well, why it's working. Uh, Bumper Pool also had a couple of funny comments about how much he hates Texas uh, as he grew up. At, you know, his father played at Arkansas. Or his father went to Arkansas and, and grew, growing up in the state of Texas as Arkansas fans, growing up hating the state of Texas or hating the University of Texas. I thought that was interesting. He had a big, big smile on his face talking about that. And uh, he was also asked if he's going to come back for a seventh year and he said yeah we'll see we'll see uh, it's a possibility uh, I will give you my prediction on where I think Arkansas is going to finish a little bit later on in the show but but bottom line is is the college football needs more Sam Pittmans and I don't necessarily mean more guys that just love their team and are just you know old ball coaches which I think he is and so is Mark Stoops and you know Nick Saban qualifies as well but it's more about just sort of being yourself and and not taking everything so seriously um, Billy Napier uh, again we'll get to Florida in just a second but Billy Napier is, is is like a it's like what Clark Lee is trying to be. He's still a little robotic. He's still a little structured, and, and that's just sort of who he is. Sam Pittman is just being himself, and Mark Stoops is just being himself. Kirby Smart is the son of a football coach and a and a teacher. Like he's comfortable in front of a room, being his his personality and and sort of talking and having a good time and cracking jokes. And I just think people being themselves. Is, is a lost art in college football, and I think we are in an era of ball coaches who care about people and like being themselves, and I think that translates. I think Sam Pittman is the epitome of this. I think it is why Arkansas is doing such a good job and why they are winning, and I think it's why Arkansas is going to have a good team in 2022. So let's get to the Florida Gators. Billy Napier, his first trip through SEC Media Days, through the event. We will hear from David Waters of Gators Breakdown in just a second. We'll talk about his first journey through this whole process, getting Florida's administration to buy into the vision, the big grandiose sort of scheme that he's got for all the analysts and all the extra stuff that's going on with his program and why it's the right thing for Florida talk about how it's paying off in recruiting, talk a little bit about Anthony Richardson and his personal growth and sort of being here and sort of making some of the statements he's made recently, what it shows us about who he is as a guy, sort of get to know him a little bit from a personality standpoint. And, of course, we talked a little bit about the defensive upside. My, my initial impression 
my initial impressions of, of Billy Napier, and again, I've had a chance to talk with him before, he is just extraordinarily detail-oriented, and it's all about having a plan in place and preparing yourself for anything that comes along. You've already done the calculations, whether that's a, a fourth and goal call or a recruiting call or a, a, a late-night 2 a.m. phone call, like whatever it is, he has done the work to be prepared to have an answer already ready to go for the situation. And Florida is buying into them. The question I have for Florida, and David will touch on this a little bit, is the depth for the Gators. Do they have the depth, in particular on defense, for it all to pay off right away? Very difficult early schedule. It is going to be an absolute grind. I just think Billy Napier, so while it may come off a little bit robotic, as I mentioned earlier on the show, it's a little stiff when he's up there. It's not Clark Lee stiff, but but it's just sort of how he is. He can laugh. He showed a little bit of emotion. He was asked about his late father and, and almost broke down into tears in the main room about that and you know, then joked about his haircut. So he, he, he clearly has a little bit of loosening up to do, but I think it's also just who he is. Billy Napier is just this sort of structured guy who likes to organize things, and some people are extremely successful, extremely successful because of that, and I think Florida's going to be very, very good. A lot of it, however, in 2022 – Hinges on Anthony Richardson. So we had a conversation with David Waters of Gators Breakdown about the defense, about Billy Napier, but mostly about Anthony Richardson. And here was my conversation with David Waters. SEC Media Days, day number three, of course, here live from Atlanta, brought to you by J.E. Dunn, top 100 healthiest place to work. You guys know the drill. 2022 best place to work in the United States, $5 billion in annual revenue. Offices all across the Southeast. And, of course, if you want to work for them, jedunn.com. Check them out here. Fringe Element, our title sponsor. David Waters joining us here from Gators Breakdown. Billy Napier, his first trip through this entire gauntlet that is SEC Media Days. How, just in general, your first impressions on how he handled himself just at the podium with interviews, just the whole thing, representing the university. He's a very sort of structured, organized guy. We know that about him. What were your initial thoughts on how he handled the day? Yeah, not much change from what we've kind of known Billy Napier to be since he's been hired at Florida. He's kind of calm, cool demeanor, maybe a little southern demeanor. I know how that is, but <laughs> but, you know, but Billy Napier, I mean, just kind of straight to the point uh, a lot of points, uh, a lot of times. But kind of one thing, probably my biggest takeaway is the question of why did you take the Florida job? And he said everything had to be right. Everything I, I had to have ad, admin support, booster support. I needed a, a root a recruiting pool to pull from and I turned down Auburn well he didn't say these schools but of course they were they were asked I turned down all these other schools in the SEC I was waiting for the perfect opportunity and Florida's Florida is going to give those opportunities to me so it's he rehashed that he's kind of told us locally that's one, one big reason why he took Florida and kind of just reaffirmed it in front of everybody Florida has the resources to be successful I'm the guy to put it all together I find that interesting because Florida, we, we've seen how good they can be whenever it's, everything's going well with, with Urban and with Steve Spurrier. But it's interesting that Florida, it seems like, and you correct me if, I'm, if you think I'm wrong here, the, the development of all that extra stuff is that they maybe were like a beat slow on that, but that Billy Napier was willing to come into them, kind of like Dabo, got Clemson on board with everything. Is, are they committed? Are they fully bought in? It, it, were they behind? Is that the right analysis of how the situation has played out? Yeah, I, I, Florida was behind. Uh, there was, I mean, Florida's finally opening their big Taj Mahal facility after everybody else. I mean, and don't get me wrong, you know, don't give Napier credit there. That was been, has been in the works. That, under Jim McElwain, that's when that started. But 
that lets you know that's the biggest example of how far Florida has been behind. So now you start looking at NIL, you start looking at booster support and everything that has to come along with that. And there, we know what goes on in college football recruiting. There's, there's that side of it. And everything has to be, it was there, it just wasn't together. And, and some, they needed somebody there to bring it together. We all know Florida has money. It doesn't matter what side of money you're talking about. Florida has it. They just need somebody to bring it all together. And Billy Napier, he, had, he went back and talked to Jim McElwain. Hey, what do I need to do to be successful at Florida? Jim McElwain, Jim McElwain told him. So, hey, there we go. That's what happens live TV sometimes. Uh, Jim McElwain told him what needed to be fixed at Florida. He, he, he was, had a confidant in Jim McElwain. And... Those things are coming together at Florida for Billy Napier to be successful. Yeah, the uh, the assistant to the assistant to the assistant to the assistant offensive line coach. It's they're getting a really good. Uh, uh, as far as recruiting, this is not about media days or even the team. And I want to get to that with you, but just real quickly, do, do have you do you feel like you've seen the results on the recruiting trail? The thing that everyone was pissed off about with Dan Mullen, even though he was a brilliant offensive coach, just wasn't doing the job on the recruiting trail. Are you seeing the Nick Saban trust the process, organizational structure, and rebuild that he's doing? Are we seeing the results? Yeah, I think so. You know, it did get off to a probably slower start than even I expected, but it's starting as we start to turn the calendar from June to July, and now even August, you're starting to see Florida get some commitments now, and you're starting to see some of the big names Florida's going after. We're going to know pretty soon. Two or three weeks, we're going to know the direction Florida recruiting is really going in. But, yeah, there's a couple aspects there. You can look at Jacksonville recruiting right up the road. Got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then three commits in the last couple of weeks in the Jacksonville area, one area Florida had to hit. Florida had to recruit the state of Florida better. I think 12 commits right now, either 10 or 11 out of the 12 are from the state of Florida. There are things that you can tell, all right, these, this army I'm assembling, here are some pinpoints that I'm pointing to right now that you can see there's a difference. So I, I could ask you about Ventrell Miller's uh, outfit today, uh, the, the shades, the whole thing, just completely on point. But I want to talk Anthony Richardson. Um, not only – and I think it's kind of a – it's a lot of different things from an outsider's perspective. Um, again, I'm not getting into politics here, but I think it is admirable that a young person takes a stand on an issue and does something he believes in, whatever side of an issue you want to be on. Again, I think it's okay to be pro-gun and anti-kids dying, whatever, just my opinion. But but he decides to do that. He posts that, like, literally day before he comes to it, Media Days as a sophomore representing his university – I'm assuming he's clearly the starter and starting quarterback at this point. To me, it's like this holistic view of a young person that Billy Napier trusts him. He's willing to go out and and kind of be confident in his own voice. Again, if you don't know, he changes his nickname because of the AR-15 thing, which, again, again, it's not that big a deal. To me, there's this whole big-picture look at who he is that clearly Billy Napier trusts with the program and with the keys to the offense. And and how good he's going to be is largely going to dictate how good this offense is. Yeah. Billy Napier really likes Anthony Richardson. I mean, I, that's even if you want to call that inside knowledge as well, it, he loves Anthony Richardson's potential. He is so high on what Billy, uh, what Anthony Richardson can bring to the table. And look, we've seen it the last ever since the last NFL draft ended. All right, who's the next crop of quarterbacks? Anthony Richardson, without very with very little playing time last year, has shot up to a top five, top ten pick, one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft if he lives up to his potential. And there's a lot that goes with that. And you know, he's going to have a spotlight on him. Florida quarterbacks always do. But now you got draft love going on. you got Billy Napier's first year going on. And then now coming on with the, the AR-15 nickname. Uh, I mean, like you said, good for him to get out in front of it maybe. I mean, he's going to have a spotlight on him. 
So before the season starts, before everything gets ramped up for fall camp, get it out of the way, and whether the decision's right or not, you know, that's personal preference. Just put it to bed, though, right? Like, don't deal with it. Yeah, you don't, ha- you don't have to worry about it anymore. He sells, he sells merch <laughs> before every game. And if it's got AR-15 on it, you know, I mean, some, somebody's going right. to say something about it. So might as well just get, get rid of it, go play some football, and we'll, we'll go from there. So, so what about, like, it, have you, I don't know how much you've had a chance to spend time around him. Like, again, do all those things – is it come across in who he is? Because, again, I don't get a chance to be around him. Most fans don't get a chance to be around him. It, do, does he have that mature leadership thing that, you know, you're down by 10 points in the third quarter against Georgia and you need someone to step in there and, like, just take care of it? Like, is that – we know the skills on the field are there, but is it all coming together, personality, mentally, all that other stuff? He even admitted today at SEC Media Days, he's not the rah-rah guy. You're not getting Tim Tebow out of Anthony Richardson. He's – like he said, he compared himself to his head coach. Calm, quiet demeanor, but you know I'm, I'm the leader. And it's not going to be the go scream in your face and ramp up. I mean, you, you might get the ramp up. We've seen the pregame backflips. I mean, there's, there, there is an aspect of that to Anthony Richardson, but as far as the screamer and getting into a player's face, I'm not sure we'll get that out of Anthony Richardson. But I do think every, bringing him to SEC Media Days, all the, everything that comes along with that, um, yeah. Yeah, there was some, what, the speeding ticket issue. Uh, uh, you know, not that big of a deal, but people wanted to make it a big deal because it's Anthony Richardson is the Florida quarterback. So, Brady, honestly, it's a wait-and-see approach. You know, when Florida is playing Utah and Kentucky week one and week two, those games are not going to be easy. There's going to be a scenario where Anthony Richardson is going to have to step up as a leader if we wait and see. So I have – I felt very firm about Tennessee, Kentucky. I've, ba- I've waffled back and forth on those two at number two. I'm kind of with Kentucky now over Tennessee. I- I've never really bought the South Carolina love and-, and-, and hype. So I've always felt Florida really safely at number four. They finally figured out a way to run the football last year. They ran the ball like crazy with Dan Mullen, but the defensive front had some issues. They've got some of those guys back. W- where is the key part of this team? If Anthony Richardson works and Napier's the right guy, which I think you and I both agree is the case, where is it that this like what the, the the success of the season hinges on what part of the team for the Florida Gators at you know and again middle of July here? Yeah, if if, if, if Anthony Richardson loses up the potential, Florida's offense will be fine. So we have to go to the other side of the ball. Okay. Look up Florida's up front. Jervon Dexter is the only name people know in the SEC. You're going to play Utah Kentucky game one and two. Tennessee week four. We're going to know in the first month of the season how deep is Florida up front on the defensive line. Dexter's the only proven player they have. That is not what you. That is one position group you do not want to be short in in SEC football. And we're going to figure out Utah plays an SEC brand of football. Kentucky absolutely does. We're going to find out pretty quick how how, how quick how quickly Billy Napier can mesh the talent Florida has, but unproven talent Florida has. We get to the end of the season. They finish fourth, let's say hypothetically, and they are seven and five. The offense looks pretty good. It feels like Anthony Richardson is clearly the guy. Again, I don't. I guess he could leave. I guess to go to the NFL draft. But if that if that happens, if that if that happens, <laughs> that's twice in one video, guys. Twice in one video. Um, if that happens, how are the fans going to react to, you know, again seven and five? We're good. It's a sign of progress, but we're not great. Like, how do the fans feel about that? Seven and five with Florida's schedule, there'd still be some good wins in there somewhere along the way. I think you probably have to look at that last month of the season: Texas A&M, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, FSU. Yeah. You have to end that four and zero. If you if you're seven and five and end that four and zero, all right, maybe the first two months of the season yeah. didn't necessarily really get there, but you end on such a high note. 
Now, beating a and is going to be very difficult going to Kyle Field, but you can't lose to South Carolina again. FSU's down. You still have to – Billy Napier, even in year one, has to go beat Mike Norville in FSU. So, I think it for me, what the record is, you got to look at those last few games of the season. Is Florida trending up toward the end of the season? Well, and that, that – ironically, that's what Florida State did last year at the end of the year. They find Jordan Travis, and they get a little bit better at the end of the year, and they win a bunch of games at the end of the year. So, uh, David Waters, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody find all your work? Give us, give us the whole rundown. Yeah, on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC. You can find Gators Breakdown on YouTube, every podcast platform out there. There you have it, of course. Fringe Element, 440 Sports, coverage brought to you by J.E. Dunn. Top 100 healthiest place to work in the United States, of course. Top 20, voted 2022 best place to work. And again, I think Billy Napier embodies this. So does Sam Pittman, Mark Stoops, Josh Heupel, a lot of guys in the SEC these days. Just care about the people around you. And, you'll, and they'll be productive and happy and efficient. It's actually a, a novel concept, Dave. Thanks so much, man. Real quickly, before we get to our predictions, of course, to wrap up the show, and we'll talk about Kentucky, remember, all of the coverage from SEC Media Days is brought to you by J.E. Dunn. People, you have the power right now to choose the place you want to work. For the first time in like 50 years, the labor force in this country has the opportunity to pick where they want to work. It's cool. And that means that big companies like J.E. Dunn have to fight and genuinely work hard to keep you happy and healthy because when you are happy and healthy, you are productive. They have $5 billion in annual revenue and offices across the Southeast. They are one of the healthiest workplaces in America, top 100, and they were voted 2022 best place to work. So go check them out, jedunn.com. Go read up on them. Tell me I'm wrong. Have a conversation. Doesn't matter what your background is. They are interested in having you work for them. So go to jedunn.com. All right, let's wrap up day number three with my predictions here. I'm going to bake in my commentary with Kentucky into this because – it, it, there's just not a whole lot to learn about Kentucky. They are very good. Mark Stoops has been here a decade, and this is the team of all the teams today that went on Wednesday. The team, the team that I have changed my opinion on is the Kentucky Wildcats, and it's not necessarily anything that I heard from Mark Stoops or that I heard from the players on Wednesday. It is simply just studying this team more and more as the days and weeks go along since doing predictions for Athlon Sports two, three months ago, this is the team that I like more and more in the East. Now, official predictions. Georgia number one in the East, done and done. Don't have a lot to add to that. I think they're going to be 12-0. and 0. I'm with Seth Emerson. I would take the over. By the way, thanks for Seth and for David for joining us. But Kentucky. I have Kentucky moving up to number two in the East. My official ballot has the Kentucky Wildcats second in the East. I think there is a outside, very outside chance that they have one loss playing Georgia late in the year at home. That's not likely. I'm not going to bet on that, but I think there's a chance. Their trip to Neyland, to Knoxville, where Mark Stoops in Kentucky has struggled, is probably going to decide who finishes where in the East. I like Kentucky. I, I understand why people like Tennessee. They think their offense is excellent. I understand why people even like Florida. I'm not there yet on South Carolina as we talked on our day two pod. Go check that out and go check out all the videos, of course, on the YouTube page. I've got the Florida Gators at fourth in the East. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that they're better than South Carolina. I'm not sure I'm buying into all of that hype. I do not think they are as good as Tennessee or Kentucky. Famous last words. I think Tennessee will beat Florida this year. Uh, and again, famous last words there on that one. So I, I think when you look at these teams, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, I'm fine with anybody making a case for any of those three, 
But the more I study it, the more I like the continuity, the development, the defensive line development. I like the offensive line. I like Will Levis. I like what they did hiring from the Kyle Shanahan tree to bring in an offensive coordinator who kind of maintains some of the continuity. I think asking Hendon Hooker to be perfect is a is a tall order, uh, and they don't have a defense in Knoxville. So I'm going with Kentucky at number two. I'm going Florida at number four, and that leaves us with the Arkansas Razorbacks. I, this is one of the most difficult teams to peg. I think they are a pretty darn good team. Their schedule is much easier than Mississippi State. I think they're good in the front seven. They're good along the offensive line. They have a star quarterback. I'm going third in the West for the Arkansas Razorbacks. I just think Sam Pittman and all the things that they're doing, the genuine nature of that program, the culture, the communication, K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, the offensive and defensive lines, all the things. And frankly, the schedule sets up for them to win a bunch of games and maybe even challenge Alabama at home on October 1st, the week before they play Texas A&M. That about does it for day number three, of course, our prediction. Special thanks to David Waters for joining us. You heard from Bumper Pool, KJ Jefferson, Cedric Van Pran, Stetson Bennett. A special thanks to Seth Emerson for joining us as well. We appreciate all you guys for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out the YouTube page. Watch all the videos. And, of course, J.E. Dunn, our title sponsor. My name is Braden Gall. Get to me on Twitter, at Braden Gall. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network.